Welcome to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. Our hope is that you are blessed and that your relationship with God continues to grow and flourish. The next voice that you'll hear will be that of Bishop Brown. Thank you for listening. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you uh, stand and turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of St. Luke? Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke. We stand in honor of the author of the Word of God. I've, uh, I've found that if I could go to court and stand for the judge, I can come to the Lord's house and stand in honor of the Supreme Judge. Luke chapter 15, commencing in verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, hmm, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Somebody say hallelujah right there. <laughs> and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, his son, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, 
you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. You may have your seats. I appreciate your patience. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you now for the written, spoken, and living word of God. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we might behold wondrous things in your law, respond to what you reveal, and then help us to rush and put it into practice. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus the Christ. The people of God said, Amen. This is the third of three parables that our Lord shared in response to the hostile rejection of the Pharisees and the scribes um, towards Jesus as the sinners and the tax collectors came to Jesus. There was something, scratch that, there is something magnetically attractive about Jesus that causes men, women, boys, and girls to gravitate towards him. And though he is not physically on earth anymore, he lives through us. And so to the extent that we are authentically connected to Jesus himself is to the extent that we will attract men, women, boys, and girls unto the Lord. If they're not coming uh, to the Lord, uh, it's not Jesus' fault. It could be that there is something that they see or don't see in me that does not draw them unto the Lord. But as Jesus is is giving these parables, we have to bear in mind the the context uh, from which these parables were necessary. As the tax collectors and the sinners who were considered on the lowest rung of the, of the spiritual and social economic ladder, uh, uh, the Pharisees and the tax collectors, rather the tax collectors, uh, were coming to our Lord, and they, they did not care that it was not politically correct. It didn't bother them that it bothered the church folk. <laughs> Because all that the tax collectors and the sinners were interested in was Jesus. Do you not know or believe, beloved, that in this era, in this day and time, where there's so much chaos on the political scale, on the, on the racial scale, on the uh, 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 economic scale, there's so much chaos on the world stage. There's chaos in, in the Middle East. There's chaos In America, there is chaos. I just read in Canada. Everywhere there is some degree of chaos, but at the same time, there is the presence of the Lord represented by you and by me. So in other words, we are the earth's last hope. I know that may sound arrogant, but we are the salt and the light. And so if we don't 
if we don't attract men, women, boys, and girls to Jesus Christ, who will? And if not now, when? We, we seem to play this, this game of, of spiritual Russian roulette where we just assume that, that, that the bullet is not going to be in that chamber. But the reality is, is that one of these days will be our last day on earth. I, I know you don't want to hear that right after Thanksgiving. But one of these days, either we won't wake up, or if we do wake up, we won't stay up. And so, what, 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 what we learn from this parable, is that Jesus is very serious about lost souls. I'm going to say that again for the back row. What we learn about Jesus is that Jesus is very serious about, about lost souls. And let me just tell you something. I'm so glad that he's interested in lost souls because I was one. I don't, I don't know who else in the house was, but I was, I was, thank you, I was a lost soul. And, uh, and, uh, and were it not for God putting the right person in my path at the right time, I would still be lost even today. It's amazing how you can be in church and still lost in the house. This third, this third parable, really, um, it, 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 it consummates, it, 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 it concludes, if you will. It brings to fruition uh, the first two parables, or at least the sentiments of the first two parables. But, but you remember the first parable was the lost sheep. And Jesus said, now how many, how many men of you, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, uh, would not uh, set the 99 aside in an open area and then go and find uh, the lost sheep, uh, and look for him for how long? Until he finds it. I, I'm, I, listen, <laughs> when I think about my journey, I was the lost sheep uh, who, if he had not, that is, if the shepherd had not come to find me, uh, there is no telling uh, where I would be right now. Can you think about your life and, and, and consider uh, what it took for God to save you. How many times he knocked on the door of your heart and you kept ignoring until some situation caused you to open your eyes uh, and to recognize your need for the Savior. I'm, 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 the, look, the, the longer you don't say amen, and so... This parable of the lost sheep has to do with Jesus' passionate pursuit of each and every lost sheep. But then he moves from the parable of the sheep to the parable of the, the coin. And whereas the lost sheep's proportion was one out of a hundred, but in the lost coin scenario, it was one out of ten. And that one-tenth uh, of, the, of the coins that the, that the woman wore in her headdress 
um, represented a day's wages. I, I, just, I just heard in the last uh, episode of Draymond Green. Draymond Green is a power forward for the Golden State Warriors. He's notorious for getting in fights and all that kind of stuff. Great player, but can't control himself. Bottom line is, his, this last stint that he had when he had a fight, uh, well, he really wasn't. Anyway, um, Draymond was fined. Uh, I think he had to miss five games. That's five games out of an 82-game season. He had to miss five games. Those five games cost him $770,000. So y'all sitting there like you could lose the $770,000 and be okay. Look, I can't lose $7. If, 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 if I got suspended for a day's pay, and so this woman lost this coin that was valuable to her. It was her dowry, and it's what she was going to bring into the marriage whenever she got married. But the fact that she lost that coin says that, that she was going in a, a little weak financially. And that's why she so diligently pursued. In fact, she didn't just look, but she swept the house. She, she lit a light so that she can accurately uh, uh, and efficiently find what was lost. Here, too, Jesus is communicating that, that he didn't just go out and just look for us, but he literally lit light and swept around so that he could find us. We, we need to stop talking about, I found the Lord. How you find the Lord and you were the one lost. No, I think more accurately, the Lord found us. Anybody been found? Has anybody been discovered? Has, has anybody been rescued and delivered uh, and only to discover that, that while you knew you needed a Savior, you didn't know where to find him? But aren't you glad that he found? In both of these scenarios, Jesus concludes those parables by saying that, that when he found what was lost, uh, he, 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 he related that or relayed that information to his friends. And the Bible says that there was rejoicing and celebration when that which was lost was found. Put a pin in that because we're going to come back to that truth that there is an expectation of celebration when something that is lost is found. Put a pin right there. I'm not talking about that right now. But let me move back now, or move, move to verse 11, because now we have a, a parable that, proportionately speaking, focuses not on one of a hundred, not on one of ten, but one of two. two a father had two sons, and, uh, and the younger of the two sons... Uh, had the audacity to go to his father and say, Father, give me what's mine. We can pretty much assume that this was not a black father. I think the, the, the forensic evidence suggests the fact that the boy made this bold request and lived afterwards 
indicates that he very likely was not part, part of black folk. You know, I mean, number one, we know that because this father had something to leave behind. You'll catch that on the way home. But then, let, 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 let's let the story tell itself. He has these two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Let me tell you how insulting that is. See, in Hebrew culture, in fact, in most cultures, um, parents who have the means will leave to their children their estate. You know, unless they designate it, you know, in other ways, um, the children of the parent uh, are the primary heirs to their parents' estate. In most cases in Jewish culture, it is the firstborn who has the, who is entitled, not that they earned it, but simply because they are born to that family or to that father or mother, the, the firstborn is typically entitled to two-thirds of the estate, the firstborn. The other siblings have to divide that last third. But what was also typical is that a will was typically executed after the death of the one leaving the estate behind. This is getting crazy already. What this boy, this younger son was saying is, number one, I have no regard for my older brother because, because I want to jump ahead of him and get what's coming to me. Do you not know that when you are disconnected from the Lord, it will make you make irrational decisions? I, I wish I had. I'm trying to find somebody in the house that can identify. Can you remember the irrational decisions that you made? I'm not even talking about since you've been saved. I've made a few of those myself. But I'm talking about pre-Christ, I have made some stupid choices. Can y'all just raise your hand if you just identify if you can? Thank y'all. I mean, y'all. Thank you for not letting the brother just hang out there by himself like I'm the only one that made. So, so, so now here this boy, this youngest son is saying I have no regard for my older brother because I want mine first and I want it now. But then secondly, he's showing that he has no regard even for his father because he is basically saying, Daddy, I'm more interested in your stuff then I'm interested in you. I'm, I'm more in love with your, your, your tangible financial blessings than I am concerned about you and your well-being. Because I'm not going to even wait until you die to ask you to give me what, what is already mine. I, I just believe that, that here is a son who is so sinfully confused 
that, that he has displaced and disprioritized that which really matters most. Well, here's his dad, and I can tell you this daddy was not my daddy, nor is it me, because this father said, look, the text says <laughs> in verse 12, and he divided his property between them. What we don't see and what it does not say is that if there was a lesson connected to that, son, I'm going to give you this, but let me just warn you, I, the text doesn't say that. All the text says is uh, he divided his property between the two. He complied with the wishes of his son. He gave his son room to make a mistake. I, I know that's a good thing. I just don't know how to get there. I, I know it's, it's good. It was wise of this father to go ahead and give to his son what his son asked. I'm simply saying uh, I still have some growing up to do. Because if you tell me I have no regard for my brother, nor do I have any regard for you, daddy. Well, Watch this, verse 13. Not many days later. Surprise, surprise. Didn't take long. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. The younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey, guess where? It's in, your, it's in the Bible, to a far country. Where geographically is a far country? Well, I don't know. Here's what I do know. Whenever you leave the father's house, even if you're right next door, you're in a far country. Oh, come on. Listen, 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 listen. Isn't, isn't the enemy a master of at luring us away from the father's house? Oh, yes, he is. He, he'll, take, he'll take one discrepancy. He'll take one argument. He'll take one misunderstanding and lure any one of us at any given time out of the father's house. I've been pastoring, I suppose, maybe 26 years, somewhere in there, 27. And, and, and from my first pastorate to my second to my last uh, uh, I have seen people get offended by stuff that they never would get offended by in their own house or in their own families or on their own jobs or with anybody else. He ain't called my name. He didn't make that announcement about me. He didn't show up at my great-great-aunt's wake. And they're gone. And they're gone. And yet, and yet, well, let's, let me not get into that. And so, and, so, and so they're gone. And so here this boy is, for whatever reason, he tells his daddy, dad, I want my stuff, and I don't care about my brother, and I don't care about you. Just give me the stuff. Father gave him the stuff, 
And now the boy is in a far country, meaning his heart is before he even left the house. He was in a far country because as the OJs has so prophetically suggested, your body can be here with me. But your mind is. Y'all make a brother work hard today. And guess what happened when he was in the far country? He squandered his property. How? In riotous or reckless living. He was just out there just just partying, just kicking it. And, and as long as he was partying and as long as he was kicking it, he had friends. I was watching the show last night, and they were honoring Houdini. Houdini was an old rap group out of Brooklyn or Bronx somewhere, and they had this song that says, Friends, how many others have them? Friends, I don't know the rest of the song, but and, and, and the implication is, is that as long as you got resources, you got friends. Has anybody discovered that before? That as long as your, your pockets are fat and, 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 you, and, you, and you, you know, you distributing, the, you got friends. You, you got folk calling you. You got folks texting you. You got folk uh, trying to holler at you and all of that. But as soon as, look at the text. When he had spent everything, verse 14, a severe famine arose in, in that country. That's always fascinated me. Listen, the famine doesn't show up until he spent everything he had. Have you ever discovered that, that it is only when you completely run out of money that you com when you completely run out of resources uh, that that look that it dries up everywhere cuz everybody you ask when you're in that condition oh man dog i ain't got it i would if i could but i can't so i ain't the famine comes when we run out why can't the famine come while i got something He, he began to be in need. He was already in need, but he, he began to recognize that he is in need. And so the Bible says, hmm, um, verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. I'm no longer a bacon eater. I wish I was. I love it, but I, no, I can't. But, but, but one thing has never been my desire, and that is to feed pigs. Some of y'all are from country, you know, the country, and you grew up feeding the pigs, slopping the hogs. If you slopped a hog before, can, let, me, let me see your hand, if you've ever slopped a hog. See, I don't even know what that means. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it means. Any of y'all slopped hog? No, for real? Gina, no, no. Vet, you ain't never? Come on, Mark. 
I don't know what it means to slap a hog. But here this man, who is, we can presume, Jewish, this young man, he is now in an environment that is completely antithetical to his belief system. He, he, Jews couldn't stand swine. You know, it, it was one of God's dietary laws. This, this was an unclean animal because his hoof is something, something, something. And, and so here, you're in an environment now uh, that is completely contradictory uh, to the way you were raised. We don't, as Jews, uh, we don't interact with pigs. But because of your choices, you have left the father's house where you never saw a pig nor a pig pen. Uh, but, but now you're out there on your own uh, and you found yourself, look, without funds, without friends, and without a future. Who in the house has been there? Without funds. Simultaneously, you're without friends. And as a part of that process, without a future. There's this boy. He's out there. Imagine your son leaves home, or daughter leaves home, you know, just without counsel, without doing it right, whatever. They just gone because they mad because you got a rule, you got a curfew, you got a this or that. And and they're gone. And 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 they leave the house and uh, they find themselves in this far country. And 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 now they are broke and now they are they are without any any support system and now they are forced to just take what they can get. So now they're being exploited. Now they're being taken advantage of because that's what happens when you leave the protection and the provisions of the father's house. I'm trying to, I'm trying to land the plane, but, but I need you to come and go with me because now, watch this, the boy uh, is out there by himself uh, in, a, in a pig pen, which violates on so many levels, <laughs> so many of this, of this kid's upbringing. Uh, but watch what happens. Uh. So he went and hired himself and uh, sent him into the fields with the pig. And verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. When you're outside of what we used to call the ark of safety, when you're outside of the father's house, you are then susceptible to all of the wiles of the devil. I love verse 17. Number one, because it begins with the word but. So whatever direction this thing was going in, he's in a pig pen. He's broke. He's, he's, he's uh, uh, hungry. He's, he's struck. He's, 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 he's lonely. That happened before the but. But the but in verse 17 says, uh, when he came to himself. Somebody needs to give me a holler, give God a hallelujah right there. When he came to himself. Isn't it amazing how the Lord knows how to use crises to help us to come to ourselves? 
Is there anybody in this house that came to Jesus uh, just like you were? You were worn, weary, and sad. Uh, but, but the reason you were worn, weary, and sad is because you had been without the Lord, uh, and the Lord showed you uh, that, that, that this life ain't for you. <laughs> You're not about that street life. You're not about that, 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 that kind of life. You, you know, and he's got so many provisions just waiting on you, but, but you want to do it your way. You're smarter than God. You, you already know. You've been here 20 minutes, but you already know everything that everybody ought to do. And you found yourself in a hog pen of a situation. But you can still come to yourself. That phrase, come to, came to himself, really, he came to his senses. He, he woke up. He, 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 he finally got to a place uh, that his back was against the wall. And when his back was against the wall, uh, he didn't look down, he didn't look to the side, uh, but he looked up. Look, he came to himself. I, I'm wondering, is there anybody in this house uh, that's come to yourself? Because just because you are here doesn't mean you've come to yourself. A few more things and I'm done. He came to himself. And this is what he said. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. See, it's, it's important to know what the Father offers. It, that, that, that's why you ought to stay in the world. Look, it is important to understand that, that our God is a God of abundance. He's a God of, of oh, I wish I had. He's a God of multiplication. He, he's, a, he's a God of, of exponential growth. He's a God that can make, look, he can not only give you more dollars, but he can make the few dollars you have count. I'm, I'm just trying to find somebody. That's why back in the day, those single mothers who loved the Lord but who didn't have much money to give, but they would always testify that he kept food on my baby's table, that he kept clothes on my baby's back, that he kept, he kept me with a little job, and, and he kept me with what I needed, and every time I turn around, he keeps on blessing me. Listen, when... When you understand who God is and what God wants to do for you, it'll get you up out of that pig pen. It'll get you up out of the pity party. It'll get you up out of the depression. It'll get you up out of that situation. And I'm trying to find out this morning, is there anybody here? that understands that no matter how long you've been down, no matter how far from the, the father's house you are, you're never too low and you're never too far away. Is there anybody here that's got a testimony that you were down and out? No friends, no funds, but you remember what the Lord is able to do. You remember the testimonies. You remember seeing other folk testify that I was once lost, but now I'm found. I believe that this young boy had all of that in his head when he
he said to himself, wait a minute. Wait a doggone minute. I'm living like a slave. I'm living like, like, like I don't come from somewhere. In my father's house, even the worst person on my father's farm is doing better than I'm doing right now. Even the servants of my father are eating better than I'm eating. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going back home. I'm going back home. I'm going back home. I ain't got to live like this. I ain't got to live like I'm living. I'm going home. I know my daddy. He's not going to let me back in the big house. But I don't mind going to the little house. Because in the little house, there's more blessings than I'm getting right now. I'm going home. Is there anybody here that ever went back home? Is there anybody here that ever went to the father's house? I don't know who you are, but if you're outside of the father's house, come on back home. Come on back home. There is room in my father's house. There is room just for you. The boy rehearsed his speech. I'm going to tell the father that, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Let me be like one of your hired servants. He practiced his speech. He was starting on his way back home. But by now, he's lost a lot of weight. By now, he looks like a shell of himself. By now, his hair is maggot, has got maggots in it. His, his body is shriveling up. His clothes are tattered. He's walking barefoot, but he makes his way back in the direction of the father's house. But unbeknownst to him, daddy, I said, daddy, I said, father has been looking out for his boy ever since he left the house, even though he left the wrong way. The father loved his son too much to let his son just stay out there. The father had hopes that his son would come back home. Beloved, you need to know that our heavenly father is waiting on you to come back. He's watching for you to come back down the street and before you get to the front porch before you get to the property line the father is looking I can hear him say that show looks like little junior that show looks like my baby boy he, he, he looks different but I know flesh of my flesh and I know the bone of my bone. That's my boy. And instead of waiting with pride on the boy to come back to him and grovel, the father ran toward his son. I declare every time 
you make a move towards God, you'll discover that God has already been moving towards you. Somebody here ought to have a testimony that yes, you drifted away, you strayed away, but when you made up your mind that you're coming back, God met you even before you could get to where you were going. Finally, he gets to the father. And the father grabbed him and kissed him on the neck. Oh, my God. I can see, I can see that father grabbing his boy and kissed him on the neck, hugged him. Just to let him know, man, you're always accepted in my house. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you went. I don't even care why you went. The fact that you came back, the fact that you knew that I've got so much love that you always can come to where I am. Don't you miss the point of God's love. What God, what, 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 what Jesus is doing now is he's showing the Pharisees. And, uh, and, uh, and, the, and the scribes, uh, how much God loves the lost. He loves the lost more than he cares about uh, what you got to say about it. And so, and so in, in those first two parables, he made the point clear, but now Jesus is doubling down. I really want you to see how much I love the lost. When they stray away from me, I'm going to go to them. That's what God did when he sent Jesus to earth. He sent his son down 42 generations, wrapped him in human flesh, conceived of the Holy Ghost, born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothing. And, and, and the angels, they cried out, holy, holy, holy. But, but, but when, when, the, when the wise men got to the house where Jesus was, they discovered that the star that led them had stopped over the house. And the bottom line is, is that God did all that just to save me. I said, God did all that just to save me. I would say save us, but you don't act like you've been saved. So I can only speak for myself. He did all of that just to save me, just to rescue me, just to deliver me. If there's anybody here that's been delivered, that's been saved, then let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've got good religion, you ought to show some sign. The, the, the father, before the boy could get his speech out, the father said, bring me the best robe. I don't want the regular robe. I want the best robe. I want the robe that I would wear because I'm going to put my boy in this best robe. Bring me a ring because I want my boy to represent my family with the signet ring and bring me some shoes and put them on my boy's feet. Oh, by the way, kill the fattened calf. We gonna eat good tonight. You think you ate good this past Thursday. Bring the fattened calf. 
Because my son that was lost has been found. And they had a great celebration. They could have been black because they had music. There was dancing. Wobbling. They were celebrating. But remember the father had two sons. The elder son never left home physically. But his heart wasn't there. Because his heart did not rejoice when the lost was found. See, this whole story was not about the younger son. It really was about the older son. But he used this, the younger son's situation to expose the older son's disconnect to the father. When you don't love who the father loves, you don't love the father. When lost souls don't trouble your heart, you might need to go back and make sure you accepted Jesus Christ. He tried to, the father tried to get the boy to come in to the party. And he starts complaining. The boy starts complaining about, I've been with you all this time, and I've never disobeyed you, but you ain't ever killed a calf for me to celebrate with my friends. Now, the reality is, is because the boy had never left home, he's eating a whole bunch of fatted calves. See, we forget about stuff, you know, when we get in our feelings. God, he's been provided for every day. Listen, I've been preaching about, and really from this parable, but this, this idea of leverage, using your influence for good. You've got influence with friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors. It is our obligation, if we're saved, to go and get those people and bring them to Jesus and, 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 and as you're bringing them to Jesus, bring them to the house of the Lord. You don't have to wait till Sunday. You can get them to Jesus tomorrow at work. You can get them to Jesus when you go back to the house. You can get them to Jesus any day or any time. But don't just get them to Jesus. Don't just get them born. Get them into an environment where they can be nurtured. That's what the church is about. Church ain't about perfect people coming together because I got to go if that's the case. No. It's about, it's about bringing imperfect people into contact with other imperfect people, into contact with the perfect Lord. That's what it's about. And when one 
comes. We ought to be doing somersaults and backflips, and we ought to be doing a line dance down the aisle. We ought to celebrate. So I challenge you today. I challenge you today. First and foremost, tell them. If you're saved, let me not move too fast, too far. If you're saved, if you know for sure you're saved, not because you're a church member, not because you're a nice young lady or a nice gentleman, not, not because you love your wife or your husband, but because you made a definite decision to invite Jesus to be your Savior. You have believed the report that, first of all, you are a sinner and that Jesus Christ was God's only provision for your sins, and he died on the cross, raised on the third day, and he's coming back to you one day. But, 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 but you've got to believe that. You've got, to, you've got to know that just like you know your name. And if you're not saved, today is your day. If you cannot honestly say, and confidently say that if I die right now, I know I'm spending my eternity in heaven with the Lord. If you cannot say that with confidence, listen, don't put off another day. Don't, 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 don't make assumptions that, that you're going to do it at the beginning of the year. Two weeks ago, my high school, my junior high and high school classmate, young lady, Think she was she was either 60, maybe 50, I don't know, but died suddenly. I know somebody said, well, she's 60. She, you know, 60, 60 is not as old as it used to be. But the point is, is I know some 40-year-olds. I know some 20-year-olds. We don't know where and when. And I'm not trying to scare you with none of that. That's not, that's, not a, that's not a tactic I'm trying to use. I do want you to be alert to the reality that you don't have as much time as you may have had. So if you're not sure that you're saved, you're still playing Russian roulette. You're spinning that chamber, uh, that barrel, and pulling a trigger and hoping it doesn't hit you. One day that bullet's going to be in that chamber. And the only way around it is to, is to make sure today that you're anchored in Christ. So if, uh, that's my first priority, that you would be saved. If you have any doubt, any question. In fact, I want to ask everybody to stand. I'm wrapping this up right now. If you're able to, everybody stand. While everybody's standing, if you're not sure that you're saved, would you, would you simply just raise your hand right at wherever you are? I need every believer. If you're not sure that you're saved, if you're not sure, is your hand raised, sir? Praise God. Yeah, come, come, if you come this way, if you come this way, if you come this way, I just want to share some information with you. Somebody else is here. You're not sure that you're saved. If you're not sure that you're saved, if you're not sure that you're saved, this is not to put anybody on the spot. This is not put, put anybody on the spot. This is, this is a, a search and rescue effort. That's what this is.
one of these days, I've got to go before the Lord. And when I do, I've got to give an account. I've got to give an account. I've got to give an account for you. And, and I, I don't want to report back to God that, yeah, we had church. We jumped and shouted. Yeah, I tried to preach a little bit. And, uh, uh, but, but, but I didn't diligently seek the lost. I, I don't want that on my, on my record. I want on my record, he did everything he could. He took as much time as he could to help people to find the same Jesus that found me. <laughs> That's all I want to do. So, again, if you're not saved or you're not sure, listen, ain't no shame in this. This is a non-judgmental space. So come now and make that decision, make that choice. Secondly, if you're saved, every believer needs a church. Every Christian needs a pastor. Because, because you know, that, that phrase is often used in the Bible, sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, when you are sheep without a shepherd, you're like this boy in the text in far country. And when you're out there, the enemy will exploit, he will take advantage of, he will, he will do all kinds of stuff. Ask me how I know. If you're not anchored in church, meaning connected and committed with consistency, I'm, I'm asking that you make a decision today. Amen. Make a decision today. Listen, 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 listen. Being a member of a church does not save you. But what it does do is it helps you learn how to live saved. It helps you learn. And it gives you a support system to live the saved life with. You're not saved. If you need Jesus, if you need a church, then thirdly. I'm asking you to pray and ask God to give you a heart for the lost. I'm asking you to ask God to give you a heart for the lost. Whether it's lost family, lost friends, lost, lost co-workers. And when I'm saying lost, I don't mean, I mean by lost, I mean unsaved. Amen. That's our job now. Your job ain't what it is where you go to your work. That work finances your real job. Your real job is to be soul winners, to be salt and light. Father, we thank you for your word and for the privilege of the challenge. I thank you, Father, for this one brother who has come down, raised his hand for one reason or another. And, Father, we welcome him uh, uh, into everything that you have to offer. If he needs you as Savior, if he needs your church, if he needs a community, God, we want to we serve him uh, as best we can. So we thank you for giving him the courage of raising his hand. And, Father, even in the midst of others who no doubt could have raised their hands, we praise God that this brother did so. And, Lord, as we share with him the good news of Jesus Christ and the reality uh, that, that God has more for you 
than you can ever find outside of him. Uh, we're looking forward to God doing great and marvelous things in your life. It's in the name of Jesus, the Christ, that we pray and praise you. Let the people of God say out loud, amen. Thank you for listening to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. We hope that you were blessed. If you would like to accept Christ, join our church, help continue the work we are doing in our ministries, watch live on Sundays, find us on social media, or give online, you can visit the link in the episode description. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.